listening to audio from Grace Hills Church in Aliso Viejo, California. For more information, visit us online at gracehills.com. Hey, good morning, everybody. How we doing? I like a full room. This is a good room. Uh, I think we have some people looking around for some spots. So if you can move in a little bit and you, you know, sort of like the person next to you, just scoot next to them. Make some spots for people to sneak in there. Uh, that'd be helpful for them. Uh, we are excited about this morning, and I can't wait to kind of share a little bit more about what's going on. So maybe you don't know this or not, but the last time that we had a Vision Sunday was three years ago. And you're like, wait, how is that possible? You've been here for that time. I said, I know. Um, when I first came on board as the elders uh, were praying over and seeking out and God like led our family here and led the elders to, to present me to the congregation, uh, the first, within the first few months, I said, hey, Vision Sunday is coming. I said, like, what's that? What, what, what's a Vision Sunday? And they said, well, so will you share the vision where we're going and what God's been doing? And I said, man, I just, I think we need to maybe wait a little bit. And here's why. It's not that I didn't want to share a vision. It's not that I didn't want to um, move forward with the plan that God would have. The problem was I didn't understand the church yet. I didn't know all the people in the church. I didn't know all the ministries that were happening. There was a point where up to six months, six months in, I was still finding out there was people on staff that I didn't know yet. I'm like, how is that even possible? We're not that big of a church. And there's always, oh, that person's not on staff. I'm like, really? So I just didn't know what was going on. As we think about the idea of the word vision and, and what it means, there's a definition that I like to use. I think it helps me kind of understand when I communicate vision what that means. And, and it just means this, communicating a picture of a desired future. That's, that's really what I'm trying to do on a Vision Sunday is that I want to communicate to you and paint the picture of what we would hope for in the future of who we are and what we're doing. That's kind of what uh, this idea looks like. The problem was is because I didn't understand where the church has been, because I didn't understand where the church was, I had no idea of where we should go and where we shouldn't go because I had to learn all those things. And it took around that two and a half years. But as I've prayed and been involved in going to different groups and, and seeing what's going on here and meeting with a number of you over the years, I, I do really feel like that I've learned the ins and the outs of our church family and who we are. And I feel like we have a firm grasp on who Grace Hills is, where we've been, and where ultimately God wants to lead us as we move forward. Now, during that time, you say, well, did we just not do anything during that two and a half years? No. We actually continued doing what we believe God had called this church to do. We didn't waver from it. And, and what we didn't want to move away from was being a God-honoring, Bible-believing, and fully submitting church. That's really what we want to be, right? We want to honor God with everything that we do, that he is lifted high and that we're not. We want to know God's word and believe what it says, and then we want to submit to what God would have for us, knowing that that is good, right, and perfect for our lives, that he receives the most glory, and we receive joy through that in the process. Now, I share a lot of verses when I'm up here, and we're always going through God's word, and maybe you started to cue in, like, people's favorite verses are the ones they tend to quote the most, aren't they? They're the ones they always kind of keep putting before you. And for me, I'm a guy that needs to be with guardrails in place in my life. If not, I'll go in a million different directions. You can pray for my wife because she's had to deal with that our entire marriage. 
And, and the reality is, is that there's one, there's, there's two verses, but one in particular that I'm always quoting all the time. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. These are the guardrails for my life and what I should be doing all the time. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. And behold, I am with you always until the end of age. This is what God has called all believers to do. This is something that we should always have in the forefront of our mind if we go, what should I do here and what should I do here? Lay that verse down first and then move into what you feel God's called you to do. The other one is, well, where? Like, okay, so how do I do that? Well, that was in uh, Acts 1.8. And he says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He's saying, this is what you need to do and this is who's going to empower you to do it and you're going to go everywhere to do it. All the corners of the world, which I think is a weird thing to say, all the corners of the world when the world is round. You're like, no, it's flat. No, it's round. It's round. I just want to tell you that. So... We have held to the mission statement that was put in place by the elders before I came. We haven't changed that. It's actually a good statement. We want to honor God by helping more people become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. That's our aim. That's our goal. That's our drive. In the last two and a half years of me being here, which is crazy that it's already been going by that fast, we have seen 13 men and women get baptized here at this church. I love baptism. I love seeing, uh, you get to the slide up. I, I love seeing men and women come to know Jesus in a way where like, I want to take that step of obedience and I want to proclaim the death, burial, and resurrection. That I want to partake in that. And I want the world to know that I love Jesus and I'm not ashamed of Jesus. I'm not afraid to proclaim who he is. And those are those big steps that we want to celebrate. We have had four membership classes since I've been here. And that means that we have seen over 30 people become new members at Grace Hills Church. And uh, I've tried my best to scare you off. And in spite of all of my efforts, you've stayed. And so this is the last class that we just had. Uh, you'll note that half of that uh, class is my life group. And so... Um, <laughs> Like, I'm doing something right or something horribly wrong. I can't decide which one it is. But what I loved was I see all of these younger men and women that realize the importance of being a part of a local body, being under the protection and authority of the elders as they point them to Christ in all things. And so if you, if you see a name up there that you recognize, go say, hey, welcome to the family and let them know before we're done here. Um, we have dedicated babies uh, we have had outreach events. VBS was fantastic uh, this year. Harvest Fest, we had, I believe, I'm trying not to do, give pastor numbers, uh, over 900 people showed up. Uh, I want to say 1,000 so bad, but I couldn't because it's just not true, and I'd be lying, and then now I'm in sin. So we've had a ton of people come through this campus. We've been able to see something that we've wanted to have happen, which these events lead to more participation and engagement in other arenas. And so we've had people come to this event, then come to another event, then come to a Wednesday night. And so we've seen the progression of how God's been using that. Uh, we have had uh, camps uh, across the board in different areas. We've had summer barbecues. Maybe you remember some of the barbecues that we had, some that were over here, some that were in the park. Uh, we did one over at Salt Creek Beach, which was really fun. Uh, no one got hurt, which is amazing. Um, 
And as we've preached, as you saw on the slides uh, we were going through earlier, we've gone through the Titus. This will be uh, our sixth book of the Bible that we've gone through, that God's allowed us to just go for the entirety of a book and learn that book, as well as other areas of Scripture, uh, which the Jesus teaches on, the parables and symbols and prayer and, and conversations with Jesus. We've just seen so many things happening. New ministries have really sprung up since we've been here. Um, there's been a relaunch of the women's ministry. And so they've kind of changed a little bit of how they do it and the frequency of when they meet, the studies that they're going through and the growth that's taking place. And there's been people that don't know Jesus that have been coming to kind of hear and be a part of that. Uh, Stephen's ministry has been continuing to grow. Grief Share has had tons of people. That sign out there, we put that sign for Grief Share out there. Every single time people, I saw the sign, I just lost somebody, and they come here, and they are loved on by someone who knows Jesus, they are pointed to the hope that there is a hope for them, and I've seen, and there's a number of you that are here, and I'm making eye contact with one of them right now, who came to that, who then came on Sunday, and who is now a member of our church. God is, that, that sign God is using, just by being a, a light in this area. We have seen Songs of Grace start up and just the, the ability to have people come and worship and be challenged by God's word. Um, the prayer night that we started on Wednesday night. Um, I don't know if you know about it. I'm going to keep talking about it. It's actually it's fantastic. It's a time before our life groups meet where you can come and sit in there and you can just spend some time with you and God. Sometimes we got to slow down. You're like, Simon, you need to. You're a little hyped up. <laughs> Sometimes we need to slow down. <laughs> And we need to focus on God. And we need to make sure that we're connecting with the almighty God of the universe before we go in and lead a group or sit and have conversations with others. Sometimes I just need to be in prayer. Sometimes you just need to sing songs of worship to our Savior because you know why? He's worthy of it. And that's what happens on Wednesday nights. You're like, I didn't know that. Now you know. No excuse. Last month, I got to, and I, 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 you're like, you missed my ministry. I know. That's because there's so many that we're doing. I'm sorry if I did. Last month, we got to walk through our four pillars of what makes a healthy church. And, and we really kind of laid out these different pillars and what it means to be a church that uh, is one that's honoring God in all ways. And that series came from the last two and a half years of evaluating who we are and what we do and kind of putting the right things in the right categories and some overlap in different ways. But that also came from, I'm looking at the staff, what, eight, eight or nine months of us taking all the data and everything we've had. We compiled all that into this uh, vision uh, list, and, and maybe we can get that out to you guys, not today, because everyone's like, we haven't printed those. I know. But this is eight to nine months worth of work of trying to figure out who are we? What are we doing? Where are we going? And, and what does God want for us? Where do we have areas that we're thriving in? And, and where are there areas that maybe we could grow a little bit in as we move forward? And it's really helped us identify those areas. And as we did this, we started implementing different things as we went along because it helped us see, oh, we could just easily add this ministry or we could do this thing or we could make this, we could shore this up. And so we started doing that. Um, can anyone name, this should not be hard, we just did a video on it. Can anyone name the four pillars? Just shout them out. Gather big. Gather small. Go and grow, yeah. 
I would have taken either order on the backside too. That's just that's great. Yeah, that's those are the pillars that we've been working through that we would understand that these are the things that we should be doing. And so within each one of those pillars, we actually have a definition of each one. And I want to kind of walk through them kind of quick and just talk about why that's important. So the first one is gather big. It's where we reflect on where we reflect the tapestry of God's people coming together as his family. A time to remind us of what eternity looks like with God uh, when he returns, when multiple generations, people groups, socioeconomic backgrounds come together through the connectedness of Jesus to proclaim what? Jesus as Lord. That's what we want to do every time that we come together when we gather big. I, I, I saw the number, and I, I want to be careful about numbers because sometimes numbers can feel like bragging, right? And that's not what I'm trying to do at all. I, I'm really not. But I, I'm celebrating what I'm doing. Every week, on average, we have the honor and privilege to have over 170 men, women, and children come to our church, and we get to point them to Christ in all things. It is such a, a wonderful thing, and, and it's fun because we're seeing really what that number kind of looks like in this room right now, and we'll talk more about that in a little bit, but that's what we get to do. That, that's why we preach the God's Word. That's why we're never just pontificating with our own things. We're always talking about what is God like, what does He want for us, and how can we submit to that? Songs of Grace has been a part of that as well, that we would gather big together as we get together with everybody. Um, maybe you were here for the Thanksgiving dinner. That was a, a fun way to come together and hear a testimony and have God's name lifted up in that. Uh, the Christmas Eve service is one of those as well. So we have these areas where we can come together on a regular basis. The second one is gather small. This idea of community, where we share our lives with others and encourage each other in our walks with Jesus, where we live out being the family of God, where we, uh, we speak and live out the gospel with others, doing life together under God's word. How many of you are in a life group? Raise your hand. How many of you like your life group? Oh, I saw hands go down. Don't do that. This is an easy win. Don't do that. <laughs> it is one of my favorite. I have a couple of favorite things, and they all kind of fall on Thursday. Thursday is my longest day of the week. I get here super, super early, and I disciple someone, and I go really, really late in the evening, and I have a, a life group at my house. It's a long day, but it's a great day. Two of my favorite things. But we have over 130 people going to life groups. And that ranges all the way down uh, to Dana Point, all the way to Irvine, and a lot meet here. And we have these, these 10 different groups uh, that are meeting throughout the week. And they are doing life together, and they're talking, and they're eating, and they're sharing, and they're re-engaging the scripture that we went through for, for that week. Uh, we see with the gathering small as well that uh, the women do that as well. So women kind of overlaps into gather small and grow, right? So because they're studying God's word. But they've had four sessions and they've had between 30 and 40 women sign up for every single session. Some don't even go here. Some do go here. It's been great. We have three new discipleship groups that have been started here at the church where we have smaller groups of men uh, gathering together, talking about God, talking about their life, praying for each other, engaging. Some are early, some are later, but, you know, we, we figure out the time to make those happen. And we're seeing people grow in their faith because of it. Now, with the grow section, call it growth, call it grow, whatever you'd like, it's growing deeper in our knowledge and understanding of God's word. Training men and women in word and deed to worship God in all things. Teaching what the Bible says about life and worshiping God. 
we've been talking a lot about this lately as we talk about this idea of growth and what that means. Uh, men's ministry has been faithful every, every month they get together and they open God's word and they dive into it uh, in, in some way, shape, or form with different speakers that come and help out uh, with that. And they hear God's word. They spend time in fellowship. And they're challenged. That's what we want to do. We want to challenge ourselves with God's word. Where, where is God growing me? Where is God stretching me? On the go side, it says this, evangelism, living out the great commission here and there by taking the light of the gospel to those near and far, sharing Jesus with those in our sphere of influence. Um, I've always used the term sphere of influence. Uh, you guys have used the word oikos here for a long time. You can just mesh them together and sphere of oikos. I don't know, whatever you want to call it. You can blend those if you need to, but that's what we're talking about when we say that. We support over seven different missionaries that are going on, and some are close and some are far, some are overseas, uh, some are parachurches, a lot of different things that we're doing within that. I love that we've been able to have some of those people come and speak and share, hey, this is what God's doing. Uh, I love that we just had... Uh, the longs from uh, Mexico talking about this seminary that they run in Mexico to train up men to go and to take the word of Jesus Christ and to plant churches and to be productive with uh, being faithful to his scripture. That's fantastic that we get to do that. All these things are meant for us to celebrate. And we celebrate because God is working. In a day and an age where it feels like the world is winning and the church is not, that we see all these things happening. I love watching God's church work in contrast to how much a world doesn't want that to happen. I love that we're a small church, and I, I, I say it like we're small but mighty, that God uses this small little church to have such a huge impact all over the world, and that he is, the same way that he started with the 12 disciples, like he picked like the loser group, and yet those are the ones that he caused to change the world, didn't he? You're like, you're, you called them losers. Yeah, well, they kind of were, and I kind of am too, right? That's the whole point. He takes those that aren't worthy, and he gives them a purpose for worthiness to go and take that message forward. All these things here at Grace Hills Church, some we do better than others, right? There's some things that we're just doing a really good job in. There's some things that you look at that and you go, man, I think we're just knocking this out of the park, and that's exciting. I love that. And then there's some others where maybe we could press in a little bit more to grow in what that looks like and how we would do that. And it's not that we're doing bad. That's not what I'm saying at all. There's just always areas to grow, aren't there? Like, no matter what you do, you can always grow in whatever you're doing. And so what we're doing well, we want to press into that and keep striving after that. And where maybe we're a little light in what our hopes and desires are, that we'd start to figure out some new mechanisms to make that happen. And that's really what we want to do. Now, we've prayed, I've been praying uh, for years now about, God, what are you calling this church to do? What do you want to do with your people? And the elders and I have talked, and the staff and I have talked, and just really, as we just kept asking and asking and asking, there's two main areas that have stood out to me that I want to talk about today as we start to talk about some of the new things that we're going to implement. And it's, I'll just, they're not crazy. They're not nuts. You're, you're, you're kind of doing a lot of them already. We're just going to throw some more energy at them is what we're going to do, is unity and growth. So this idea of growth or learning God's word is really what we want to do. And so we want to, you to understand that these two areas will actually pour in to all the other four pillars that we've talked about. And so these are going to help us do that. So unity, it's the idea of growing closer together. And, and what I want to do is I'm, it's, I can't build a case, but God can. 
And so all I want to do is read God's word of what he says about unity. I'm just going to read these. You can take a picture, write those down, study those later. You can have them in your life groups if you want to. But as we look at what God's word says about unity, I'll just start in 1 Corinthians 1.10. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no division among you, that you might, uh, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Okay? If we go over to Acts, oops, I just flipped over there the wrong way. If we go to Acts 2.44, and it says, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Galatians 3.28 There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if we go over to John, John 13, 35, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for who? One another. He's talking about the church. He's talking about the unity of God's people. And then I love, as Jesus is praying, before he is going to uh, be crucified and die for the sins of the world, he prays for the church and he prays for us specifically. And he says this in the high priestly prayer in John 17, in verse 11. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. The oneness and the unity of the Trinity is used as how he would want to see his people and his church unified in what they do. Unity is an amazing gift from God that he's encouraging all the time. I mean, if you have kids, you've been in a family, mom and dad want their kids to get along, right? That's the thing that we all desire. And they will yell at you, you're not getting along, get along. That's all parents will say that at some level. Get along, get together, be unified, love each other. See, we have two services here, if you didn't know. Uh, we have two services. We have one in the morning. They're both in the morning, I guess. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> You got me. <laughs> 9, 15, and 11, right? And we have these two services. One is contemporary and one is traditional. Uh, I'll just, here's a, here's a big shocker. The only difference is four songs. That's the only difference between the services. I want you to understand that. You're like, but those four songs mean a lot. I get it. But the reality is this, that while it's good that we have two services, that's a good thing, right? That means we have more opportunities to proclaim Jesus, uh, to reach people, for them to hear the truth of who he is. Having two services actually can be challenging, whether you realize that or not. The danger with two services at any church is that you might start acting as two separate churches in one church. That's a dangerous thing. That's, that's not healthy for any church to do. And so we want to be unified in who we are as a church. And so we have to make sure that we strive for that unity all the time. If we're not striving for that unity, we have a problem. You, here, we play this out in the world all the time, don't we? So as you have a family and, and kids get older and they move out and they, have, they get married and they have kids and they move away, the, the family, get, it, it grows and it spreads, doesn't it? What do we do to keep that spreading from just continuing going. We get together for birthdays. We get together for Christmas. We get together for Thanksgiving. You're like, I don't want to get together for Thanksgiving. Yeah, I know you don't, but you should. 
The idea is that we are bringing back together so there is a unity within the family because if we didn't do that, we would drift farther and farther and farther and farther apart. And then it would be like we weren't a family at all. And so as families, we strive for this. We do this because we understand the importance. The same thing is what we're talking about here with the church, that we have to have a unity in who we are as a church. And while we have this great opportunity with two services, it presents challenges, and we want to make sure that we're making all of our efforts to keep unity while we still have those. Does that make sense? So, that's, so we have a plan for some things that we want to do within that. And so this idea of unity and how we want to do that, one of those was um, part of the Wednesday night was one of those opportunities that we would start to get people from different services that meet here on Wednesday nights to come together and start to pray together, start to sing together, start to interact together. That was really the heart behind that idea that our church would be a unified church under prayer collectively. So that's why we started that. Songs of Grace was an experiment to see if we can start getting you all in the same room together so you can start to see each other. There's a lot of you who are sitting here and maybe you're, you're just dagger-izing someone because they're in your seat. You know, like, you're in my seat. <laughs> what I, by the way, the older people are so much smarter. They got here half an hour early. They staked their claim and then they went and got coffee. I'm like, man... I saw someone melting a, 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 a toothbrush to make a shiv when they came. I said, no, no, put it down. It's okay. Just sit to the right. It's all right. You don't have to kill anybody. <laughs> and so what we see is we start to realize that, oh, there's other people that sit in these chairs that go to our church, that are a part of our family, that contribute to tithes and offering and serving in all these different areas. We did our summer barbecues as part of that idea as well. Maybe you remember we sat here, we did like a, uh, here's a, a, a teaser service. And we had everyone get together and we had food and we sat out here and we sang songs and we shared Jesus. And then we had one over in the park back there where everyone brought all the potluck and we all ate way too much food and it was really good. And we watched people try to play kickball really poorly. It was a good day. We went to the beach and we, we played around. Like We do these things and we're trying to make sure that as we grow bigger, we have to kind of figure out how do we get together? And those are one of the things that we try to do. Fellowship time in between services has always been a thrust that this allows at least some kind of cross-pollination between our church that allows us to get to know each other. And you can say, oh, that's, they must be at the other service or they might be at this service. That's, that's what that's for. We're trying to create more service project opportunities where we can come together and start serving together as a church. And so last uh, year and a half ago, we had our all-church get-together and just we filled up dumpster upon dumpster of things. And you're like, I know, and you're still mad at me about it. I'm sorry, I still love you. Uh, we're going to have another. So you can be mad at me again when we go through more closets. And, and what we see right now is part of that. Maybe you've noticed we've done a couple of these one-service all-gatherings. We're trying to pull you together so you would understand what our body actually looks like, what our family looks like. And what I love is I, I get the best view in the house. I'm, I'm sorry. I just, you're all a bunch of good-looking people. Why'd you laugh? You really are. <laughs> but the truth be told, the diversity in this room, in my opinion, is probably so profound to me because what I think we see is these glimpses of what it looks like to worship God in heaven for forever, where every tongue, tribe, and nation will come together, and we will look different, but we are all his children. There's something powerful about that. So many different countries and nationalities are, are represented in this room, and that's something to praise, because we shouldn't get along, right? We just shouldn't. 
But you know what allows that to happen? The blood of Jesus Christ that is thicker than human blood. That is what brings us together. That is the common bond that we have together. And so we want these times where we kind of throughout the year gather as one big service. Is it? I mean, can I just be honest? Doesn't it feel good in this room? It feels really good in this room right now. And I think it's encouraging to see this. I get encouraged all the time when I see all of you together. The other thing that it does is we want to understand that when we celebrate these great things like baptisms, like we saw pictures, you know what broke my heart as I look back? We didn't get to do a baptism in the second service. And what that meant is that you missed out on seeing those 13 individuals get baptized during the first service. That breaks my heart. You are a part of this family. You're a part of this church. You need to see those things. And we tried doing pictures and videos, and it's just hard, right? When we're dedicating babies, you need to see, look at what God's doing. Look at all the fun things that are happening. We want those things highlighted. When we share testimonies, we want you to all see and hear what God is doing in the lives of his people so we can all celebrate the God who changes lives together, right? That's what we're looking to do. The other thing that this unity does when we come together is it allows younger and older to be around each other. And that's important. And there's two reasons why. To my older brothers and sisters in Christ, my older saints, you look around, you watch the news, and it can be kind of discouraging, can't it? And go, gosh, what is going on with this world? You know why it's encouraging to be around younger men and women who love Jesus? Because God's still growing his church that God is still doing something profound and the next generation is going to be sitting in your seat someday and you can celebrate what God is doing and the church is not dead, the church is growing, that it is thriving and that puts gas in your tank. Young people, you know why it's really important for you to be around older men and women? Because they endured the race. That, that there is hope through the trials and the struggles and the hardship of life that you can start to see who they are and you can start to rub shoulders with them. What is it like to go through this? Like, how did you endure this? Like, we, we need each other if we're going to be the church. We, we need each other. We have to have each other. Each side shows things that you can bring wisdom if you're older and you can bring vitality if you're younger. And when those two work together, the things that we can do are insane when God works those two different groups. And so we want to keep happening, want that to happen. We want to see discipleship happening. And sometimes just getting in the same room lets you realize that there's someone that you might be drawn to to say, hey, can we maybe study a book of the Bible together? Hey, can, can we just get together once a week, once a month, and just talk about the things of God? Can you pray for me? You know how powerful that is when we do those things? And so what we're going to do is every, starting right now, every fifth Sunday, we're going to have an all meeting like this. So we have certain months that have five Sundays, because why not? And, and so we're going to meet as a group when those happen. Now, we'll, be a, we'll do a good job of letting you know and understanding when they're coming. We'll get email lists set up so you don't show up at the wrong time. But we want to make sure that we're going to fight for this. You know why? You're like, well, Simon, I don't like drums. Okay. <laughs> they're not evil. That's a preference. You're like... I don't like slow hymns that sound like dirges. Okay. It's not about you, is it, though? Because here's what we're saying. We are willing to lay aside our personal preferences to build the unity of the body together. Because that's more important than our personal preferences. And you know what we're going to do? I'm going to make everyone unhappy, and you're going to get some things you do like and some things you don't like on both sides. And that's great. 
I think it's stretching for us. Because here's the thing. My first service, you need more hymns. My second service, there are still godly people writing songs that are biblically based. It's okay. It's just a little bit more upbeat. We'll get through it. The words are important. And so we're going to press into that because we love you and it's good for all of us. Unity is important. Okay, I've probably taken way too much time on that. Still got another one. Growth. This idea of growing closer to God. That's really what we're striving for. We want men and women here striving closer to God. We've talked about this. I don't want to uh, belabor it because we just did a whole sermon on it two weeks ago. I think it was two weeks ago. We just did this two or three weeks ago. Um, and really where that's coming from, this idea um, is Ephesians 4 is where a lot of this is, is based out of. Ephesians 4, in 13 through 15, it says, Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we are no longer, uh, we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. That is what we strive and desire, that we would grow in our maturity. As we've been in Titus, what has been the big theme? Doctrine, 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 doctrine. You have to have sound doctrine. You have to have truth if you're going to move in this world. Here's the thing that I'm just so concerned about in the culture today. We don't know our Bibles well enough to communicate to the culture around us what God's Word actually says. We have a hard time communicating His truth in those areas. How are we going to push into a culture that is aggressively pushing towards us all the time if we can't come with God's truth to what He says about that? How are we going to do that? And what I see is I see a lot of people getting steamrolled over and going, well, I guess God's not that real. or Maybe it's just fair. And they just kind of like cave in on their faith. We can't have that. We have to be rooted in sound doctrine. Like it said, the leaders at the church have to be rooted in sound doctrine. The older men and women in Titus have to be rooted in sound doctrine so they can teach it to the younger to grow as well. Um, this theme just plays over and over and over again. First uh, Peter 3.18 But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, of Him be the glory forever and ever. And then if we go to 1 Timothy 4.15. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that you may see your progress. Keep close watch on yourself and on the teachings. Persist in this, for by doing so you will save both yourself and your hearers. I'm ripping through these a little bit fast. You can, again, look at them a little bit later. Uh, in Hebrews 6 1, therefore, let us not leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from the dead uh, works and of faith towards God. And I could read that whole section and talk about what Paul is really pushing on his people to grow in the knowledge and the faith of Jesus Christ. And in uh, Philippians 1 9 through 10. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless before the day of Christ. How can we approve what is excellent if we don't know what is excellent? How can we say that this is pure if we don't know what God calls is pure? We are all called to grow in maturity. And my biggest fear 
is that you only come here once a week and for 45 minutes, that is all you're getting. Could you imagine if you tried to have a workout regimen where you only spent 40 minutes a week doing whatever that discipline was? Well, I go to the gym and I hit it hard for 40 minutes. Then I'm sore for three days. Then I give up and then I get better and then I go back. You're like, I don't gain any muscle. I don't understand why. Because 40 minutes ain't going to cut it. We need to make sure that we are training and equipping our people for what God has called them to. Our elders, we are going to stand before the Lord someday, give an account for how we elded you. (laughs) For lack of a better term and a a brain fart. Um, How do we lead you? Did we point you to Jesus in all things? Did we make sure you were saturated in God's word? If you go back to Ephesians 4, there's more to that. It's actually the charge for the leadership of the church. In 4, starting in 11, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to do what? Equip the saints. Who are the saints? Y'all. If you're from Tennessee, that's for you. You are the saints. You are the ones that he's called you to. For the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all obtain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. This is what we've been called to do. We know this can only be done by God's word. That's the only way that this can happen. So we want to point you to God's word in everything that we do. So here's the plan. So how are we going to do that? So like we are doing some things, right? I'm not saying we're not doing this. I'm just saying we're doing, we could do more. So one of the things that we want to do is we're going to actually start Sunday school classes during our two services. That is something that we're going to start launching out. And what's going to happen is this. If you come to the morning service, just stick around. And then there's going to be some kind of uh, Sunday school class you can go to. Those could be classes, uh, depending on what we have for that particular section of time. It could be anything from just the fundamentals of Christianity to going through full books of the Bible to apologetics, to how to share your faith. We'll have a whole gambit of things that we can start to build into a library. If you go to the second service, just show up a little bit earlier. You're like, but that's early. Every day's Saturday for you, okay? It's okay. I love you. It's okay. I'm asking for one day. And you would come early, and there'd be a class going on. There'd be similar classes, so you can both learn and grow together. We want to continue to be moving through God's Word. You know what's funny? Um, the school system has figured this out, haven't they? Repetition and homework. That's what we're striving for, repetition and homework. Like, homework? Yeah. If you want to know God's Word, you've got to study it. You've got to spend time in it. You've got to make it a priority. And as we make it a priority for us, we're going to push you towards that as well. So when you do stand before the Lord, you're going to say, they taught me, they, they trained me, they showed me God's word. And as you do that, what that does is a couple of things. It starts to build leaders in our church. As they learn God's word, they want to start using those gifts and abilities in other areas. It starts to make you more dangerous in a dark world, doesn't it? It makes you able to press into darkness and to lies and actually bring truth. As you learn the ability to have apologetics and to talk about the things of God in a culture against that, you're going to start talking about those things. You're going to start sharing with your friends and your neighbors and your families and your coworkers and those that you hobby with. You're going to start to start talking about the things of God because the things that we pour time into are the things that we talk about, aren't they? And so we're trying to create more opportunities to do that. We are going to have, who went to the culture and theology night that we had uh, a few months back? Thank you for coming. Um, 
we're going to have more culture and theology nights. We're going to be tackling issues going on in the culture, and all we're going to do is take scripture and lay it across that. The last one we did was about women uh, in ministry and what that looks like and God's biblical view on that. Uh, the next one we have coming is going to be on gender and sexuality. We're just going to talk about what does God's word say about that? And you're like, well, it's not very complicated. It may not be that complicated, but you know what's complicated? How do you implement that in the world and still show Jesus? That's really what we're talking about. So we're going to talk a lot about what that looks like and how we engage the culture that is really driven on this is the only thing that can identify you as your gender. So we're going to talk about that. And we're going to have multiple of those throughout the year that we're going to keep bringing us together. And that's where you're like, well, how long will Simon talk on that? The last one was like an hour and 10 minutes. So I just, you know, I got a lot of ammo to work with. We're going to launch more discipleship groups. Uh, those are going to be smaller groups, smaller pockets of uh, men meeting together, smaller pockets of women meeting together. We're going to try to start implementing more of that one-on-one -on -one, uh, discipleship and mentorship. You're like... Didn't you just say this like two weeks ago when you asked for people to like write on the contact card? Yes, I did, as a matter of fact. And I have that list on my bulletin board and I'm trying to match people up who want to be discipled and those who want to disciple others because we're trying to get you connected to talk about the things of God. Um, we're going to start... Uh, really dive into what it would look like to relaunch men's ministry. Not that there's anything wrong with men's ministry. We just want more opportunities to talk about Jesus. We want to be a little bit more focused about how long we spend in any given subject. And so again, I'm not knocking what's happening, but if we can get a little bit more focus and hit one idea for maybe six, seven, eight weeks, you think we're going to be a little bit more equipped? That's right. That's what we're looking for. We're going to start training in that way to do that. One of the things that we have, uh, we have a great uh, staff that we have here, and we always want to make sure that we're utilizing our staff in the areas they need to be utilized in. And so um, right now, I've got these two amazing young men that have come out of college that are just hungry to get into ministry. Justin's been kind of released to be teaching in a lot of different ways. He's been up here. He's done a fantastic job teaching when he's up front handling God's word, pointing people to Jesus. He's done a fantastic job of walking through the Bible with the uh, junior hires and the high schoolers, always pointing to Christ in all things, and we're so grateful for that. Well, we got this other guy named David. He's also trained in all these things as well. They're like, well, yeah, but he sings worship. There's more to David than just a pretty face and a guitar and a piano. There just really is. <laughs> He's just, just delightful if you get to know him. <laughs> and the reality is this, is that he has been trained in a lot of the same classes that Justin has gone through. He has a similar degree in that. The problem is this. He has this kind of twofold job that takes place. And one of it is what you see on Sundays where he's putting music together and he's writing music and he's sharing those things and, he, and he's doing that. That's like 40 to 50% of his job. The other part is all the slides and the graphics and like the, the, the Easter cards and the website and the social media. You don't realize it, but it takes a tremendous amount of time to do that. And what we want to do is we want to start to free him up to use his training and his gifts and abilities to start teaching some of these classes, start getting up here more and using his gifts and abilities to teach God's word. We, I mean, not only am I training you, the saints, for the work of ministry, I'm also training them because we don't know how long God has them here until he calls them to, to the next poster. They may be here forever. I don't know. But I got to make sure that they're raised up, Right? So we need to make sure that we're doing those things. And so we're going to try to start freeing up more of David's time that would allow him to start doing more of these kinds of things and really pour into you. So you guys win. You just win because both these guys, their teaching and their ability is fantastic as they pour into you. 
And so what we want to do is we're going to hire a part-time marketing director. That's really what we want to do. And so that person would come in and take that load off of David's plate so he could actually spend more time teaching and preaching and training and equipping the saints for the work of ministry. So that's how we're going to start to do those things. And then what we're going to do is every year, we're going to assess where we're at. And we're going to use data. You're like, whoa, we can't use numbers for stuff. We can. It's okay. Numbers aren't a bad thing. I had a guy who was like, a, numbers aren't bad. There's a book on the Bible named Numbers, so it must be good. I'm like, <laughs> such a lame joke. <laughs> but truth be told is that data helps us understand where we are, doesn't it? It doesn't drive our decisions, but it helps us kind of like, what's the picture? Because we can feel like something's going well, but numbers kind of don't lie, do they? And so they help us make decisions on what that looks like. And so everyone will say, where are we seeing growth? Where are we seeing momentum? Where are we seeing God work and bless these areas? That's where we want to put our time and money and our energy into those things. If we need to add more things, we want to add more things to that. And if we see that God, like these things aren't going the way that we thought, okay, then we pivot and we readjust and reassess. And that's what we do. And so when it comes to our unity, we're going to constantly be looking at what does the unity of the church look like? Are we doing a good job with making sure that we're all coming together and we're understanding what our body looks like? Are we using our gifts and abilities in that way? Are we serving each other? We're going to look at how we uh, push you towards growth. Are we seeing these kinds of classes work? Are these classes better? Are, does it work better in the evening? Or maybe the Sunday school model doesn't work. I don't know. But you know what we're not going to do? Just sit around and do nothing. We're going to do something. And we're going to keep pushing you towards what we believe is the only thing that is important for you. So you may be asking, this is a weird message this morning, Simon. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's not my typical, it's not my favorite comfort zone and sense of I like to just exegetically preach through God's word. But it's important. And you say, well, why is this important? Why are we, why are we doing, why, do, why rock the boat, Simon? Things are okay, and they're not bad. Don't get me wrong. What's the point of all of it? Well, here's the point. We want the name of Jesus proclaimed everywhere. We want the name of Jesus lifted high and glorified and praised. We want to see lost people found. We want to see blind people see. We want to see the family of God united in the way that it was meant to be. And this is what we believe is the way to do that. Because here's the thing. Our church is really good at loving each other. And the more that we come together, the more we love each other with all of our diversities, the more that actually points to Jesus, not to us. So we want to highlight that. If we believe that God's word is truth and changes lives, we want to pour into that. If it's the word of God about what his son did on the cross, that God loved us so much that he left the throne of heaven to be born in a dirty manger, to walk amongst his people that rebelled and rejected him, that lived the life that we were supposed to live but were not able to, that saw us in our plight and our brokenness, realizing that we had earned God's wrath and punishment for rebelling against him, and then became a substitute and sat in our place so we wouldn't have to go to the cross, that we wouldn't have to experience the death that we deserved, that he absorbed it all until it was fully absorbed, that God was pleased with what he did until he could say, it is finished, 
And then because our God is not a dead God, he's a living God, he rose three days later, conquering sin, conquering death, saying that no one can withhold the power of God Almighty. He did not compromise one bit of who he was in everything that he did. And he glorified God completely in every single way. And he then gives us that righteousness that now we can boldly approach the throne of God, that we did not earn it, that we did not deserve it, that is by his grace alone, through our faith, believing that his work is sufficient for us. Amen? That is the message, and that is the reason why we move in this direction. And you say, well, Simon, you got a staff. Have the staff do that. Could. Jesus could have said the same thing to the disciples, right? These are the only guys that can do that. But he didn't, did he? See, we could do that as a staff. Our reach would be really short. But if we can train everybody up in the ability to do that, our reach gets far and wide really quick. And we can see the gospel spread in ways that we never once saw it go before. And we can start to live out Matthew 28. And we can start to live out Acts 1. And we can be the church that God's called us to be. And so if you're wondering where we're going and what we're doing, there you go. There'll be details to come. I'm going to have the band come back up here. As we, as a staff, get together, we're going to start to give you all the information on what that looks like. But we want to make sure you're aware of what that looks like. Um, as we come to the meeting this afternoon for the budget and we vote on the budget, those are reflected in that and why we're doing the things we're doing. So you're going to see those numbers reflected in what we're trying to accomplish. And John will walk us through that. But I want to pray for this next coming year as we move into some new things. And not even things that are, that are wrong or bad. Or, they're kind of the same things, just doing them, right? Just a little bit more of what we're doing. And so um, I, want to do a couple, I want to do a little bit different. I want to have you guys pray first for the coming year. And then I'm just going to, co- I'm going to close and I'm going to pray. So if a, a few of you just feel bold enough to pray for what God's going to do in our church, what God's going to do in our community, what he's going to do with the people that we love, and then I'll come up and pray and then we'll sing some songs to Jesus.